0: Tell him As I know Him. Blind.
1: Well that is our prayer that you will accept the Lord Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior and as your master. Let's turn in the Word of God this evening, if you have a copy, to the book of Galatians, the chapter number 6, Galatians chapter 6. I want to read the first eight verses of the chapter together. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, just listen as the Word is read. And may God help even in the listening of His Word just now. Galatians chapter 6, the verse number 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden, that him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen. We'll conclude at the end of verse 8. Let's briefly pray and ask help from the Lord. Loving Father, we now come to Thee, praying for the help of Thy Spirit to preach the everlasting gospel. We thank Thee for messages and song. We rejoice in our Saviour exalted in them. Lord, now as we come to preach the word, may again our Saviour be exalted. And may the sinner come to understand the great need of him in the gospel. Lord, close us in with God. Send thy spirit, O God, among us. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and with power. For I pray these my prayers and petitions in and through your Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen and amen. Horatius William Bottomley is probably a name that you have never heard before. Horatius Bottomley was born on the 23rd of March 1860, and eventually became a financier, journalist, editor, newspaper proprietor, member of the British Parliament, and swindler. Bottomley is best known to be the editor of a popular weekly news magazine called John Bull, and for his nationalistic oratory during the First World War. His career, however, came to a swift and sudden end when in 1922 he was convicted of fraud and sentenced to seven years' imprisonment. When in prison, Bottomley was forced to stitch meal bags together as part of his punishment. A chaplain one day was passing by and saw Bottomley sewing the meal bags together and said to him, Sewing Bottomley, No, Bottomley replied, I'm not sowing, I'm reaping. Horatius William Bottomley acknowledged in his words to the chaplain that his fraudulent past had caught up with him and now he was reaping the consequences of his illegal actions. As Bottomley served his time there in Wormwood Scrubs, he came to the realization of the truthfulness of the words of our text this evening, That we find in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. The apostle Paul. The one who was inspired by God to write these words. Was one of the most intelligent, gifted and exceptional theologians. That the church of Jesus Christ has ever known. Many of his opponents would speak of his letters being weighty and powerful. And yet they went on to say that his bodily presence was weak and his speech was contemptible. As skilled and as precise as the Apostle Paul was in unfolding theological truth, he was also able to take those deep, profound biblical truths and to present them to others in the simplest of forms. And this he does... As he writes to the Galatian believers here in Galatians chapter 6. Because he simply takes the illustration of a farmer sowing a harvest and then the reaping of it. And he reminds his hearers about the law of a harvest within the context of Christian giving. Namely, that you sow what you sow is what you reap. In other words, you never lose when you give to God. That was the simple teaching of Paul's words. But tonight in this harvest service... I want to take the words of verse 7 out of their immediate context. I want to preach a gospel message that I've simply entitled, Sin's Harvest. Sin's Harvest. When you notice, first of all, from the words of our text, the deception that is associated with sin's harvest. The deception that is associated with sin's harvest. If you watch the television or you listen to the radio these days, it seems to be open season when it comes to Mocking God, comedians, soap writers, radio presenters have no qualms about openly mocking the God of heaven, biblical Christianity or those who adhere to the Christian faith. Such are seen to be soft targets. Certainly, those people, people are not so keen when it comes to mocking Allah or his prophet Muhammad or the followers of the Islamic faith. Mocking God is something that we could say is very much on the increase. And we should not be surprised at that. Jude will tell us in his little epistle in the verse number 18. That in the last times mockers will arise. There should be mockers in the last time. Who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. As the coming of Jesus Christ draws ever near. Mockery of God will be on the rise. Why such blatant Mockery of God. Well, the reason is given to us at the commencement of our text for this evening. Men and women are deceived. Deceived when it comes to who God really is. And thus they have no qualms in mocking God. The deception finds its source in the human heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and who can know it. A deceitful heart then gives rise to this self-deception when it comes to who God is. But Paul reminds his readership here that God is not to be mocked and you are not to be deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Now there are many things that a sinner can be deceived about. Can I say in the first place, sinners can be deceived about the very nature of God. The God of Many a person's imagination today is nothing like the God of the Bible. The modern God or the God of modern man is a cozy, bearded, Father Christmas-like figure who isn't much interested with what happens here on planet Earth. However, whenever I read the Scriptures, the Word of God, I find a different revelation of God given to me there. I find that the God of the Bible, yes, is a God of love. And I find that he is a God who is good, and a God who is gracious, and a God who is merciful, and a God who is kind. But principally, the God that I find in Scripture is holy. He is infinitely holy. He is perfectly holy. He is intrinsically holy. He is thrice holy. So holy is the God of the Bible that the prophet Habakkuk declares that he is of pure eyes and to behold evil and canst not not look on iniquity. And as far as it goes with regard to him being uninterested with what happens in this world, God tells us in the scriptures that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I wonder tonight are you deceived? with regard to the very nature of God. Maybe you're one here tonight who thinks that God is too good, too kind, too loving, too merciful, too gracious, too compassionate to send anyone to hell. And yet you disregard the fact that God is too holy and God is too just to overlook sin. I say, sinner, do not be deceived who God is. God is holy. He cannot sweep unconfessed sin under the carpet. God's holiness demands that he justly visits the sinner in judgment for their sin. May you never come to experience it. The justice of God and the judgment that will befall an unrepentant sinner. You see, sinner, there is an omnipotent, there is an omniscient, there is an omnipresent God who is the moral governor of the universe and with whom you will have to do someday. He will not say to it that his laws are broken with impunity, that his name is defied, that his gospel is despised, or that his son is rejected. Be not deceived with regard to the very nature of God. But secondly, sinners are deceived when it comes to the matter of the seriousness of sin. The seriousness of sin. You know, people today, they view sin as but a trivial thing. Small matter that really is non-consequential and really something that they don't need to really bother much about. But are you aware, sinner, that when you sin, that you sin against the very character of God. You see, in this way, we come to see how serious sin is. Because in my sinning, I am sinning against God. What do you mean, preacher, by sinning against the very character of God? Well, can I say that when you sin, you sin against the very wisdom of God? Sin stands in opposition to the wisdom of God. Sin is madness, sin is lunacy. Sin is fallacy. There is a foolishness to sin. To give yourself to sin. To give your life over to committing sin and holding on to that sin is foolishness on your part. You see, God in wisdom, He'll call the sinner from their sin to separate from sin, to turn from sin, to repent of sin. But sinners in their foolishness, they hold on to the very thing that will see to their damnation and hell. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're holding on to your sin. What is it? It's only but a lie. What is it? It's only but a small thing I took. But it's all against God. Against his wisdom. Sin is also against the power of God. Sin strikes at the authoritative power of God. Sin is an act of defiance against God's authoritative power. Sin is a revolutionary act. Sin is a rebellious act. Sin is a mutinous act by which the sinner sets themselves in opposition to the one to whom they owe everything. Sin is rebellion. It's high treason against the crown of heaven. That's what sin is. That's what Thomas Watson called it. High treason against the crown of heaven. That's what your sin is. Are you seeing the seriousness of sin? It's sinning against the wisdom of God. It's sinning against the power of God. It's sinning against the holiness of God. Sin viewed in light of God's holiness is seen as treason against the perfectly pure and holy being that is God. Your sin is unholy. Your sin is wicked. Your sin is defiling. And your sin is against the holiness of God. Your sin is against the justice of God. Ralph Vanning said sin challenges the justice of God and dares God to do his worst. It provokes God to jealousy and tempts him to wrath. You see, God is angry with the wicked every day. Your sin is against the justice of God. Your sin is against the goodness of God. A goodness... That would lead you to repentance. And yet a goodness that is spurned every time you sin. God's love is a branch off his goodness. And sin is a slight against God's love. Which he manifested when he hung in naked shame upon the cross of Calvary. Your sin is against the very goodness of God. And your sin is against the very truth of God. Because sinners willfully reject the truth of God. They say their sin's not as bad. Sin's not as bad as God makes it out to be. The ungodly, they'll take the truth of God as it is revealed in the Word of God and they discard it. God says, thou shalt not. And sinful man says, but I shall. God says, thou shalt. And sinful man says, but I will not. John Bunyan, he said this about sin. He said, sin is the dare of God's justice. The rape of his mercy, the jeer of his patience, the slight of his power, and the contempt of his love. See, sinner, the seriousness of your sin tonight, as you compare it to the very character and the very nature of God. I say, sinner, your sin is not against your fellow man, primarily. Your sin is not against some earthly king or some earthly judge. But your sin is against the very God of heaven. The one who holds your breath. The one who keeps you living in this world. Despite your rebellion. Despite your sinning against God. God himself is holding your breath. And every time your heart beats. Do you know what it's saying? Shall he live? Shall he die? Shall he live? Shall he die? And every time your lungs fill sinner. They're saying this message. Shall she live? Shall she die? Shall she live? Shall she die? You sin against God. Understand it sinner. And see the seriousness of your sin. Sinners can be deceived about the harvest of sin. Despite sowing to sin. The sinner deceives themselves into thinking. That there will be no harvest. No harvest for me. When it comes to my sinning. No I will avoid that. I will evade the harvest. I say to go against or to think along those lines is to go against the decreed universal law of the harvest. The law that states what you sow is what you'll reap. I say, sinner, do not be deceived with regard to the matter of the harvest of sin. So does sin and you'll reap sin's harvest. The harvest of sin is what? Death. Eternal, spiritual, and physical death. James 1 verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. There is a harvest to be reaped because of your sin. Do not be deluded into thinking anything else, sinner. There's a harvest to be reaped. And so... We have the deception associated with the harvest. I want you to see, secondly, the sowing of sin's harvest. For whatsoever a man soweth. These words remind us that we are all sowers in this world. You might be a doctor. You might be a nurse. You might be a mechanic. You might be a painter. You might be a receptionist, a school teacher. You're maybe tonight here as a mother. Or maybe you're here tonight as a shop worker or some kind of engineer. Maybe you're just at school and you're just a school pupil. Or maybe you're at university or college and you're a college or a university student. But ultimately, you're a sower. You're a sower. And every day, you're sowing seeds. Every day in your words and in your actions and your deeds and your thoughts, you're sowing. And Paul in verse number 8, he speaks here about two kinds of sowing that can be done. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. There's a sowing to the flesh, a sowing to the Spirit in this verse number 8. We need to consider what it means. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? To sow to the flesh is simply to do that which gratifies your flesh. To give yourself to it. To give yourself and throw yourself wholeheartedly into sinning. In the previous chapter in Galatians chapter 5. Paul will list the various seeds that can be sown. By the sower who sows to the flesh. There is the fleshly seed of adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. These are the works of the flesh, or we could say, the seeds of the flesh. What we would sow in our unconverted days. I wonder, have you been sowing to the flesh? Indulging in those sinful practices that are prohibited by the moral lawgiver. Maybe you're an adulterer. Maybe you're an adulterer here tonight. Nobody knows it. But God knows it. God saw it. God knows all about your adultery. Maybe tonight your sin of choice is drunkenness. Friday night, Saturday night, you're found as a drunkard. Intoxicated with drink. You might be a fornicator. Someone who gives yourself over to the flesh. Or maybe reveling or we would say partying. Maybe that's the sin that you're enjoying most at this present moment of time in your life. But remember this. Remember it sinner. Now Are you listening sinner? Remember it. The seeds that you're sowing. The fleshly desires that you're pursuing. There's going to come a harvest. There's coming a day of reaping. Those seeds will germinate. Those seeds will grow, and the harvest will be produced as you sow to the flesh. With the sowing to the flesh, but there's also a sowing to the spirit. The person who sows to the spirit is a person who, who under the guidance and the influence of God, the Holy Spirit, they live a holy and a spiritual life. This is not something that we can do naturally. It requires the new birth, it requires the miracle of regeneration, a born again experience that the Bible speaks of, that Jesus Christ speaks of. This requires a new heart to be given, with a new nature, and new desires after God. By sowing to the Spirit, we need to be as one who has been born again by the Spirit of God, and who has now been indwelt by the Spirit of God, and who has been filled by the Spirit of God. This isn't what happens in the natural man, the unconverted person. What are the seeds that they sow? Well, could we not take those words in Galatians 5, speaking about the fruit of the Spirit as the Christian? Are they not the ones who sow love and joy and peace and long suffering and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance? Only the Christian can sow to the Spirit. So let me ask you out of the two, which are you sowing? Which are you sowing in your life? Are you sowing to the flesh? Are you sowing to sin? Are you sowing to the Spirit of God? Are you sowing to righteousness or sowing to that which is unrighteousness? We're all sowing, and what we sow we reap. It brings us to consider a third point, and that is the reaping of sin's harvest. The reaping of sin's harvest. I come from a farming background, but it was dairy farming. I was never, my father was never involved in crops, apart from silage, so I don't really know much about crop farming, arable farming, but I know that farmers sow seed in the springtime and the expectation that they will reap a harvest in the autumn. No farmer goes out to sow seed for the good of their health. be a silly thing to do, just to sow seed for the good of one's health. He sows seed in the expectation and the hope that a harvest will be yielded. The seed will germinate and grow. And a bounty will be brought in. Well, since sowing results in a harvest. Because our text speaks about he that soweth to the flesh shall off the flesh reap corruption. The word corruption literally means destruction, ruination. That's the harvest of sin. When you sow to the flesh and sow to the things of the world, it's going to be destruction. It's going to be ruination for you, sinner. Understand it. Don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. Don't let your own heart deceive you. Don't let the wicked one deceive you into thinking that this is not going to be me. I tell you, you're not going to defy God. God has declared it, that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption, destruction. Since harvest, when reaped, will see to your destruction and your ruination, both in this life and in the life that is to come. You see, in this life, the sinner begins to reap the harvest that they have sown. Not in its fullness. It's as if it's the first growings or the, the first fruits of the harvest. They begin to manifest and begin to be reaped within the sinner's life. Let me explain what I mean. Think about the person who gives themselves over to the sin of drunkenness. A harvest of a failing kidney, of a malfunctioning liver, of a scarred pancreas, of a damaged brain. It's often the reaping, the beginning of the reaping of the harvest. You think of the one who, 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 see, who sows the seed of adultery and the harvest that is reaped a broken marriage and a broken home and severed relationships. They're now reaping the harvest of their sin. Think of the one who sows to the sins of immorality, a harvest of transmitted diseases. The parenting of children to multiple individuals is the harvest that is reaped, and so they begin to reap the harvest in time. But what is that harvest? Compare to the harvest that will be reaped by you, the sinner in God's great eternity. It will be them. It will be then and it will be only then that the full extent of the harvest that you sowed will be realized by you, the sinner. We're told in our text that the one who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. In other words, they'll reap death, spiritual and eternal death. Think of the harvest, of the seeds that you're now sowing. As we think about the reaping of sin's harvest, the number of matters, That we need to remember, they're so simple. You've heard them before in harvest meetings like this. I'm sure of it. I would know it. They're so basic, these fundamental truths. But really it is the law of the harvest that we're thinking about tonight. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let me say in the first place that you will reap a harvest. I've tried to emphasize that to you. Just as night follows day and winter follows autumn and Tuesday follows a Monday. So a time of reaping will always follow a time of sowing. Solomon reminds us of that. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 and 2 to everything. There is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant or sow. And a time to pluck up that which is planted. And sinner, you'll reap the harvest. A you sowed. Our text doesn't say whatsoever a nation sows. That shall it also reap. The, The text doesn't say that whatsoever a family sows. That shall it also reap. It doesn't even say that which a couple sows. That shall they also reap. It says whatsoever a man. Singular. Whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. You'll reap your harvest. You'll reap your harvest. Be sure of it. And scripture says, He shall reap. That shall He also reap. You will be personally responsible for the reaping of the harvest that you personally sowed. You'll not blame your mates, you'll not blame your spouse. You'll not blame your brother. You'll not blame your sister for the harvest that you reaped. You sowed it and sinner, you'll reap it. You sowed it and you reaped it and you'll reap it. Don't be deceived. There is a harvest up ahead that you have yet to reap. The second matter to keep in mind is that you'll reap in a different season that you sowed. Reaping doesn't come immediately after sowing. We know that time must elapse for between the seed going into the ground and for that seed then to germinate and for it to be eventually gathered in. And because of this time lapse between sowing and reaping in the spiritual realm, the ungodly can be deceived into thinking that the reaping time's never going to come. But you're deceived. And God says, be not deceived. Or your sin, it was maybe committed years ago. Nobody knows about it, but God knows about it. But you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to reap a harvest. It's not going to happen immediately. But a harvest you will reap. God is an appointed season when you will reap the wages of your sin. As one preacher said, payday Sunday, and so it will be. The third matter to consider is that you'll reap what you sowed. That we're plainly told in our text. Whatsoever a man soweth, that, that shall he also to reap. To expect anything else than wheat, if you have planted wheat, is really to defy the established law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. To expect to reap anything other than eternal death, after sowing the seeds of sin, is to be is nonsensical. It's, it's illogical. What you sow is what you'll reap. Sow to sin, and you'll reap sin. Sow to righteousness, and you'll reap righteousness. But you'll reap what you sowed. As her sister sang tonight, the fourth matter to consider is that you'll reap more than you sowed. In agriculture, the prospect of surplus is what makes sowings so worthwhile, the farmers know that. They're always hoping for more. The surplus. For every grain of wheat planted, the farmer hopes that at least one year of wheat, very many kernels will be produced. I'm told there's something between 18 and 26 kernels within a single year of a wheat that has been planted. It now produces 26-fold. There is a greater reaping with regard to that which is sown. And in the spiritual realm, this law of the harvest holds true. You not only reap what you sow, but you'll reap more than you sow. Hosea will speak of this. His little prophecy, Hosea 8 verse 7, For they have sown to the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. They only sow to the wind, but they'll reap. And the words are in the Hebrew, the terrible whirlwind. The terrible whirlwind. Jeremiah Burroughs said, There is more in the harvest than in the seed. So a little sinful pleasure and a great deal of misery is the fruit. You think of the smoker. When they took their first cigarette, did they ever think that it would lead to cancer? You think of the individual who placed their first bet. Maybe it was with their mates at the bookies. Some of them never expected that it would lead to bankruptcy. Some individual who takes their first drink of alcohol, little did they think that it would lead to the absolute dismantling of their health. Think of the drug addict who takes their first drug, their first tablet, their first high. Little did they think that they would end up addicted to their drug of choice. But they're reaping, and they're reaping more than they sowed. I sat with a a man a couple of months ago before I went on holidays in the summertime. That man diagnosed with cancer, not long to live. I asked the man the question, do you regret Taking your first cigarette. And he says, Of course I do. But he's now reaping what he sowed. And reaping you will. The hymn writer asked, After the sowing of sin is all done, after the glory of earth has been won, after the sands of thy life have been all run, what shall thy reaping be? after the pleasures of sin are all past, after the wealth of the world is amassed, when the death angel you face at the last, or oh, what shall thy reaping be? In light of the harvest that is yet to be reaped by you, the harvest of sin, what then is the course of action for you, a sinner, to take in order to avoid reaping such a devastating harvest? Well, the answer is very simple. Turn from your sin. Stop sowing to sin. And exercise faith in the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, the one who reaped the harvest of sin for all who would trust in him. At Calvary's cross, The harvest of sin was reaped by the Son of God. He died and in his dying he reaped sin's harvest death for all who would trust in him. What a harvest he reaped at the place called Calvary. There the Son of God would bear the sins of his people in his own body on the tree. There he would be afflicted and smitten of God. There he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. There he would be forsaken by the Father and left to tread the winepress of God's wrath alone. But there, there at the cross, he reaped a harvest. In his dying, he reaped the harvest of salvation. He reaped the harvest of redemption for his people. Securing by His death and sacrifice eternal redemption for all who would trust in Him. And so tonight, get to the cross. And get to the Christ of the cross. And there repent of sin and believe the gospel. And allow what He secured as He gathered in the harvest of redemption. Allow all of those blessings become yours tonight. Pardon and peace. And forgiveness of sins and assurance. And a place in heaven. And a place in God's family. Let all of the benefits. That he reaped there at Calvary's cross. Let them become yours. As you leave your sin behind. And as you receive him as your saviour. And as your Lord. As I close I wonder. Have you ever trusted in Christ? Have you ever. Exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Why not make this harvest service the very service that you do that? And reap life everlasting as you sow to the Spirit. I pray that you'll do that. May you never find yourself in hell. Like this man, Mr. Bottomley, did when he found himself in prison. May you never say, I'm reaping, eternally reaping the harvest that I sowed as an individual who lived in this world. But may you joy as in the joy of harvest, as you stand around the throne of God and say, I'm reaping the benefits of God's salvation as I stand complete in Christ, accepted by him, redeemed by his blood and reconciled to God. Oh, I trust that that will be your reaping and that you'll not reap Corruption. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What will be your reaping? It is determined on your sowing. May God speak to your heart and bring you to faith in Jesus Christ tonight. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. We're not going to prolong the meeting with the singing of a hymn. It's a quarter past eight. You've been very patient. We appreciate that. The ladies are going, I'm sure, to prepare the tea for us. I'll be here. I'll be in the building. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. God's challenging you about spiritual things. Don't worry about a sandwich. If there are any, I don't know what's there. Don't you be worrying about a scorn. Concern yourself about your soul. Come to Christ. Make this the harvest of your salvation. May you be able to point back to this night to say, that was the night I found. I found the Savior, and more importantly, he found me. If I can help you in any way, then I'm here to assist you. May God give you the faith and the help even come to him tonight loving father and gracious God we come before thee we believe O God this word has been of God we have seen thy hand in that we think of our sister in the singing of her second piece and now the bringing of thy word this message has been for some individual I don't know maybe it's a boy or girl maybe it's a teenager maybe it's an adult I don't know Maybe someone listening in, but this message has been for someone. Lord, use the word. Help the sinner not to be deceived. Help them not think tomorrow they'll come to Christ. That's deception. May they not think that sin isn't really that serious at all. May they come to an understanding that they're sinning against God and against his very character and nature. O God, work we pray. Deal with hearts. Save the lost. Restore the fallen and work by thy mighty power and will give all glory and praise to thee. Take of our thanks for the good things that have been provided. May our fellowship around the cup of tea be a blessing to us all. Bless our fellowship together, the Church of God and those who are friends who have gathered in. May we eat and drink to the glory of our God and then take us safely home. We commit all things now to thee and to thy grace. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all, all that know Christ, until the day you either come or call, for we offer prayer in and through your Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.